So I want you to put your hands together with me this morning. I want you to make Pastor Roger Gardner welcome. That's free, it's free indeed, right? Amen. God is so good. I am excited to be with you this morning and every morning that I have an opportunity to come into the house of the Lord. I am um, kind of in a season where. My eyes leak a lot. That keeps your head from swelling up. (laughs) So if I cry, it's okay. It's not because I'm sad. It's because I'm full of him. He's the greatest of all the greatness of my heart and my soul, my strength, my life. He saved me and he set me free. He filled me with his love and his character. Yes. I, uh, I'm overwhelmed to have my wife with me today. I love you. And um, Pastor, thank you for the opportunity to share only what Jesus can do in a man's life, in our lives. So I'd like to just open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask now, Lord, that you would open the heavens to reveal everything that you want to release in this house today, God. You're the keeper of all creation, the creator of all things. You're the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. And today we put our time in your hands, God. I pray, Lord, that we would put every distraction aside, every thought uh, that came to uh, to try to throw us off course today that we would just really, as we close our eyes for a moment, just imagine Jesus being seated right beside us that as we are called heirs and joint heirs of Jesus Christ, that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Lord, now come and do what only you can do. I surrender all. Lord, as I try to do every day, Lord, I just, I just ask that you would use me, Lord, every day of the rest of my life to make an impact on someone else's life. That's what evangelism is about. It's about sharing your love and who you are to others. So, Lord, we give you the rest of this time, and we honor you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your love is never-ending. Your mercy is everlasting. Your goodness is limitless. And your promises are yes and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I kind of like, I'm lovesick. (laughs) You know, like sometimes you can get the flu and it's contagious, right? 
And so I'm, I'm lovesick for the Lord. I, uh, I seek him every day, not just for what he does for me. I'm so thankful for everything that he's done in the past. I thank, you, I thank the Lord for where I'm at today. And I thank the Lord that I can't even envision in my own spirit, man, or in my heart what God has for the future. But I know that God has great things in future for the body of Christ and for the believers, for those that believe and love the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are possible. The one things that I know that as I go to different areas uh, around the nation or, or, or different states or different churches uh, within the CSRA, there's one thing that I can tell you that the leaders that I meet and the people that I know in our community, in, in Augusta area and in the surrounding uh, places that we go, the people that are truly seeking God have one thing in common and they believe that we are on the verge of the greatest outpour of the Holy Spirit and the presence and the power of God that this nation has ever seen because God promised that when we love him that we would give us the nations. And I believe in my heart today as I look out and I see you, I see the nations. It's so awesome that we live in a city of Augusta, Georgia where we have a military base, where we have hospitals, where we have industry that brings people from all nations. You guys look really, really awesome. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I love you and there ain't nothing you can do about it. How about that? Yeah. I, I never take it for granted for the opportunity to minister one-on-one. I'm more of a one-on-one person than I am a 100 person or, or, or 200 or, or a large group. Although I've, I've very much uh, fallen in love over the last 10 and a half years for the opportunity to minister every Saturday under the bridge. Those, that family there that I was with yesterday in the sweltering heat, it was hot yesterday. My key message to them was this is as hot as it's gonna be for those that love Jesus, but as cold as it'll ever get for those that don't. And uh, so on a day that it's like a hundred and some degrees and the sweltering heat under a bridge, um, the, the message is easy easy to get across uh, to, the, to those in that area that are unsaved. And so um, again, I, I, I honor this time and uh, I just honor you. I love you. Evangelism, I believe, opens heaven to penetrate men's hearts with a limitless love that God has for the seven and a half billion people on earth. You know, think about it, seven and a half billion people in the world that we live in today, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he gave his prized possession that we could have eternity with him, in him and for him. And when you think about the world as a whole, it's, it's huge, but God put you in this place He developed you from the very beginning and placed you here that in your world, he could have a greater effect on the world that he created. He created you in his likeness and in his image. That's a love character. That's a hope character. That's a giving character. That's a character that goes the extra mile. It goes beyond what is natural and normal. I love that when, when, in Isaiah chapter nine, you know, the, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied years in advance about the greatest evangelist of all time that would reset the course of history as God became man. For unto us, he said, for unto us, a child is born, a son is given. His name is be called wonderful, 
counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. I love the first word that says, I shall call him wonderful. In my life, I see him as so wonderful that often days my life is just wonder filled. You know, God didn't call us to be in a relationship so we could be amused or we could be entertained. God called us into a relationship so we could just stay amazed, so that we could be amused at, at the fullness of his wonderful life that he shed, that we could have a life exceeding and abundant above all that we ask or think. I don't know where you're at today, but I hope that before you leave this service, that God will touch your heart in a way that when you leave here, you will be awestruck and wonder. You'll probably be awestruck and at wonder because of why did they let that guy up on stage? He looked so strange. But he said, you know, that he, um, he actually chose us, right? He chose us. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. He, priesthood, we're a holy nation. And we're a peculiar people. And you might look up here and you might think that, gosh, that guy looks pretty peculiar. But where I'm standing, I can see the same thing out there. But the good thing is, God had a greater sense of humor over me to make me look a little bit more peculiar than you do. So maybe that he could use me in a way out there that's just unusual and uncommon. You're a chosen generation. You're it. You're it. You're God's favorite. You're God's best. You're God's representative. You're God's ambassadors. Yes, yes. He said... A child was born, but a son was given. A son was sacrificed. And that, that sacrifice is so that we could be born again. There's one, there's one factor that I tell many people, you know, if you don't like the way that you were born, it's real simple. Just get born again. <laughs> the day I surrendered my life was on August 28th, 1999. And that day I began a brand new relationship with a heavenly father. He gave me a family here at New Hope. He gave me a friend that would stick closer than a brother. He gave me life in the darkness that I lived in. He brought me to a greater place of light than anything I had ever experienced in all of my life. When I came to New Hope, if I could share some of the stories uh, that pastor uh, said it would take all afternoon you know, I, I believe one of the things that there are many things that kind of like burn in your memory bank. And sometimes even in my old age, they come back. And uh, so you can hit the reset button. And the one thing that I remember is when I came here in the very beginning of my new life, when I walked through the door, I didn't look good. I didn't smell good. I didn't act good. I dipped snuff and spit in the parking lot and I cussed and I carried weapons to church and I wanted to threaten the ushers because... One day when I was sitting on the back, they used to have these, these little uh, buckets or things that are made out of cloth with a handle on each end. And that's when they used to take up the offering. And I was sitting back there and I was dead broke. <laughs> and I didn't have any money. But I had a little bit that day, like a $20 bill, you know. And uh, so I'm sitting on the end of the back back there. And this little guy comes over there. And about the time the thing came to me, I thought, I'm going to put my $20 in there and get me 10 back out. <laughs> Back then, I weighed 230 pounds, and I worked out a lot. I finally learned how to eat instead of do dope. 
<laughs> and so I had my hand in the, in, the, in the sack and he grabbed one end of the handle and I grabbed the other one. <laughs> and he went, bam, he was gone. And he came back with six ushers. And I got a mini mag right here with six bullets. <laughs> I'm good for all of you. <laughs> you see... Sometimes you don't believe it, but when people have never had a relationship with God, when I, I knew nothing about Christianity, I knew nothing about the Baptist or the Methodist or the Pentecost. I didn't know I knew nothing about any of them. I was just kind of like blind faith, and and I and I came in. But that was just like one of the stories. But the one that penetrated my heart the most is that I wasn't judged when I came through the front door by the way I looked or acted or smelled. Now, there was a lot of people that probably thought crazy things about me, but, you know, it was time that they had a wake-up call anyway. And, and, and then within a few months, what was really fun was I was going to the bars and bringing a whole bunch of drunks and putting them right over there on the front row, homeless people right on the front row, you know. And uh, I, I just thought, you know, if it was good for me, it would be good for them. And, and so the thing that caught my heart, to, to, I think, to stay here because I had opportunities to go to other places that, I was, that they loved the unlovable. They loved me no matter what. And so it gave me an opportunity really as a born again believer, you know, you're born again, you're a baby and, and you know, you need some milk. <laughs> you need something to survive on. Thank God I had uh, Ron Dawson as a neighbor. He was a great, great neighbor. You know, probably about three or four weeks after my salvation, I came home. We lived really close to each other. I lived in a trailer and he lived in a house and I rented his sister's trailer. And one thing that was real funny one day, I, I came home and, you know, I had just gotten a little bitty, tiny bit of the Bible. And I had a 12 pack of beer and I was climbing up the stairs and he was outside and he goes, what are you doing with that? I'm like, oh, Jesus drank wine. And about that time when I opened the door, his flower pot went through my door. And, and he had a whole different concept of being, you know, being saved than I did. He, he, had, a, he had kind of a, a rugged and, and, and a rough type about him, but he was sincere and he was real. And he was the only Christian that I had ever seen in my life that did not give up on me. He tried to keep, he tried to do everything he could to help me. It was so, so funny when I came, I actually, like, I had this controlling spirit in my life when I was out in the world and, and if, you know, you didn't quite do what I wanted you to do, I really didn't have any, have much use for you. And, uh, and so that controlling spirit kind of hung around with me for a little while. And, and I remember, I remember, uh, a day that, that I came home and, um, I had just, uh, lied. I was in rehab, the place that I worked right when I got saved. I not only was in trouble with the law, they wouldn't let me go to back to go back to work until I went to rehab. So I went to rehab and in this controlling spirit, I told the guy that was over the rehabilitation center that I was going to go to an AA meeting. And he said, okay, well, we'll let you do that. But I lied. I came here. <laughs> I lied to, to be able to get what I wanted, having no idea what God was really doing in my life at the time. And I went back and they asked me how the AA meeting was, I said, it was awesome and almighty. It was God himself. And they go, they don't have that at AA. <laughs> uh, so like, like all, 
all the things that were so new to me, they were, they were fresh to me. I was, I was a new babe in Christ and I kept coming back. And, and so that, that the Lord gave me the opportunity here in this church that I grew from a babe to a child and, and from a child to a son and from a son to a father and from a father to a grandfather. And I'm not talking about just in the natural, I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. Let me tell you, that's what God wants for your life. He wants, it's not what you're doing just right now. It's the effect that you're going to have on the world that you live in, in the future. When I, when I, uh, I, I you know, the one thing that I, I really like and I love today is I've never lost my compassion and I've never lost my fire. I still believe that my father, my heavenly father can do anything. I trust my daddy with every aspect of anything that I do with my life. I trust my daddy that when I, that when I pray for the sick, they're going to be healed. Sometimes they're not, but I'm not going to let it keep me from practicing. I'm going to practice until it starts happening on a regular basis. I believe that when I encounter people that are so lost, it looks like there's no way for them to be saved. That when I ask my daddy to help me, he's going to be right in the middle of the conversation. He's the center focus and the center piece of my life. I believe that I know that the joy of the Lord is still my strength. And I still know in my heart that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Do you know that if America would answer the call of God as quick as they answer the cell phone, we'd have the greatest revival that ever hit this nation, right? The cell phone. But we want to deafen our ears sometimes to the call of God. You know, the, the thing that, another thing that struck me was like when I give my heart to the Lord, guess what he gave me? He gave me heaven. When I asked God for a job, he gave me a destiny. They didn't even know why they hired me. And I sure didn't know. I'll never go in, I, I remember going to his office with a Bible. That's all I had. I didn't have an office. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have nothing. I'm like walking around the property praying, going, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want? Pastor, what do you want me, What am I supposed to do? He said, take it easy. One of these days you're going to be so busy you won't know what to do. Well, it's good. I asked God for a job. He gave me a destiny. I asked God for a family. He gave me a legacy. <laughs> Exceeding abundant above all I could ask or think. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters. You know, sometimes God's goodness is beyond our ability to comprehend, but it is never above our availability to receive. God is good. The moment we surrender our past to God, God's, I think the immediate plan is to restore us to a life and integrity and identity greater than anything that we had before. That's why the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, all things are passed away and all things become new. When we belong, you know, like when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a new family. Not only do we have a new family, we have a new government. We have a new authority. We have a, a, a new aspect of life that is greater than anything of the past. He said, my first intention, God's first intention when we come to him is to make our life so much greater and so much more important and so much more valuable than anything that we have from the past. He said he introduces us, when he introduces us to Jesus, he introduces us to a king. He allows us to step into a kingdom. And once we become the king's kids, what does he do? He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy. He makes you royalty. 
You are royalty today. You ought to look at your neighbor and say that you are royalty. You are royal in the eyes of the Lord. And guess what happens? When God crowns you with royalty and you become royalty, then what he wants to do is he wants to give you gifts, right? If you, if you come in contact with, what, Trump today? He already owns everything. But out of respect, I mean, not everything, but pray for him. Um, he has a lot. <laughs> but out of respect, if he came to this church today, Pastor Bowen would have a gift for him, Right? But God's not just out of respect. God's out of love. When he crowns you and makes you royalty, he wants to give you a gift. Evangelism is a gift under the fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4 says to each one of us individually and uniquely, God invaded earth with heaven through Christ to release extraordinary gifts so that the world would know him through us. I believe part of every Christian's destiny and identity is tied to the gift he created in us. Gifts to release his nature and character through the fivefold ministry as apostles, as prophets, as evangelists, as pastors and teachers, all working together. The apostle is the sent one. The prophet reveals by revelation. The evangelist releases the gospel. The pastor is a spiritual overseer and a shepherd. The teacher instructs and corrects. I think if you want your spirit man to, re, to be really alive, maybe you ought to think about being connected to one of these five. I can tell you a very, very easy way to become a prophet. Well, we don't, you know, we get into the spiritual realm there, right? No. In the book of, of Revelations, it says, if you have the testimony of Jesus Christ, you have the spirit of prophecy. Come on now. It ain't hard. People get crazy about being apostle. Apostle just means you're the sent one. You're the one that God wants to send into your neighborhood, into your workplace, into your school, into the places that God has predetermined predestined you to be in. We have an enemy that wants to steal our gifts. He loves to put skepticism in evangelism. He wants to make it a head issue when it's really a heart issue. This is really one of my favorite scriptures out of the new passion version. You know, I got a problem. My flesh is always at war with my spirit. When I get on fire, my head starts leaking and tries to put my fire out. I just don't understand it. And my wife is going, you should have had a towel. <laughs> I should have, but I don't. Anyway, one of my favorite scriptures, I'm reading a new, there's a new love book series out. It's called the Passion Version. And... In Proverbs, it says to guard your heart as a treasure chest where only God is permitted to make valuable deposits for out of the heart are the issues of life. Your heart can take you places that your head is not allowed to go. Do you know that God wants your heart before he wants your help? Yeah, he wants your heart. He wants the fullness of the depth of where he deposits his love in the greatest area 
of your life. Issues are a result of what we allow to affect our heart with how you believe about yourself and how you believe about others. Issues are what we think about, what we talk about, the concerns of daily life and what we allow to consume our time, our energy and our efforts, our resources. The devil cannot create. He can only distort. He lies to us with fear about being embarrassed, rejected or disappointed when God opens a door for us to share hope with the hopeless, to bring light in the darkness and to share the love of Jesus with the lost. He tries to make us see what we lack instead of what we have, but he is a liar. Thessalonians tells us that you may walk as ambassadors, as representatives of the kingdom of heaven, that you may walk as ambassadors toward those who are on the outside and that you lack nothing. You lack nothing when it comes to allowing the Lord to use you to bring someone else into him, into his life. When Jesus walked on the earth with the disciples, he sent them out two by two that they would never be alone. And then there was a day of Pentecost, the birthing of the new church where the Holy Spirit came that we would never be alone again in the spiritual realm. And he sends us out into the world that we live in. It says to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And your Jerusalem today is Augusta or it is Evans or it is Martinez or it is Thompson or it is wherever you're from. But may I tell you that evangelism does not begin here. It belongs here. It begins here. Let me tell you, what you do at your house, in your house, has an effect on the church house. What you do in your house can have an effect on the courthouse, on the schoolhouse, on the crack house, and every other house. What, if you're prayerful in private, God can make you powerful in public. You know, it says that the secret things shall be revealed. Most religious or Christian people that I know, when you talk about the secret things being revealed, the first thing that comes to your mind is what you're doing wrong. It doesn't have to be that way. How about the secrets of the prayers of the saints that cry back there on Tuesday morning for the church and for the city? What about the cries of the saints of the churches throughout the CSRA that no one ever sees? But God says there's coming a moment, there's coming a time, there's coming an hour that I'm going to release my spirit on all people. I want that day to happen in my lifetime. I cry for it. I believe in it. I've been praying for revival for 10 and a half years. It's really been burning in my heart. It's been burning in my spirit. I love to pray crazy prayers. We pray prayers under the bridge. God, set a fire on top of the bridge so the fire department will come from all the city and it won't be a fire that they can put out. We pray for traffic jams under a bridge. We pray for angels to stand on I-20 and direct the people into new hope. It's happened a couple of times, believe it or not. We've had people from out of state that saw a new hope sign, drove into this parking lot and gave their heart to Jesus. 
Why did you choose this place? I don't know. I was just attracted. I went all the way down there to Washington Road and had to turn around and come back here. Why? Because it's the presence of the Lord. It's the things that God is allowing to happen in our, in our life on a daily basis. And we don't really recognize it sometimes. Your heart, prayerful in private. You know, there's a, there's a question in a lot of, in, in evangelism with many Christians today. The, a question in many Christians about evangelism is that causes weakness and fear. And it's the question, what if? What if I look like a fool for God? What, what if um, I really had an opportunity to minister to this person that I know that is lost? What if, what am I gonna look like? What if? But the question for us today is not what if. The question is, what now? What are we going to do now? If you have to rehearse in your mind what someone else thinks before you make a decision to put your reputation at risk for others, your heart may have a crippling disease called fear. The number one heart disease in America today is heart disease. And if we don't get rid of the fear of man, it could be the number one disease in the church. We need to get rid of the fear of man. You need to get rid of the fear of the idea that somebody's going to think something about you when their life is at risk. God did not really call us to build a church. He called us to reflect a man. And that man's name is Jesus. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let me tell you, fear is an open door to hell. Because fear is torment. We must not react to the devil. We must rely on the Father. The answer to a lie is the truth. If we react to a lie, we empower the liar. But if we respond to the Lord, we empower the truth that sets men free. React. If you react every time the devil, what you're doing, react actually means that you do the same thing over again. You play the same vision of the same thing over again in your life, in your head. I remember that you'll, you'll, you'll play this vision. Well, I remember that I was at Adopted Block three weeks ago and there was this person and I felt that I was supposed to lead to the Lord. And when I went over to pray for him, they rejected me. Then your heart was hurt and you were disappointed. Or maybe it was on the street ministry or maybe it was in the youth. Maybe one of the youth, you went somewhere and you tried to do what you thought God was calling you to do and, he, and, and you were doing what God called you to do, but it just didn't work that time. And then the next time you have the opportunity, what happens? You react. You have the same vision and you have the same thought and you have the, the same idea in your mind. And instead, of, in, instead of responding to what God has called you to do, you react to the same vision that, kept you, that, you, that made you feel like you were worthless and that you were no good and that you, that you were just making a fool out of yourself. I'd rather be a fool for God than anyone else in the whole world. I knew how to be a fool for the devil really, really good. And it never stopped me when I came to Jesus. (laughs) It never slowed me down. (laughs) God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, right? Right. And and if if fear is a spirit, then we have a greater spirit, right? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And perfect love casts out fear. The Holy Spirit living in me is for me, but... When the Holy Spirit is on me, it's for you. You know, and Jesus really brought that to life years before he came to the earth. Again, 
through the book of Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. How many of you would like to have the spirit of the Lord upon you today? How would you like to walk out of this place and just wreck every restaurant that you went into today? Not by what you said, just because of what was on you. Come on. (laughs) The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? To preach the gospel to the poor was the very first thing that he said. First things first. Is it poor to the homeless, the broken? Absolutely. Is it the poor of the the poor spirit of the person sitting next to you in church that is trying to cover up their misery and look good for a moment, hoping that God would do something today in their life that God has not done in the past? Is it that poor spirit that some people come to church with on a, on a daily basis because somebody said something to them last night or last week that made them feel less than when God told them that they are more than? Huh. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I bet if we wanted to be absolutely truthful and honest, there's a lot more people in this room today than there were under the bridge yesterday on Saturday. And they have broken hearts and there's broken hearts in this place. This is a perfect place to let God heal the brokenhearted and let the spirit of the Lord come upon you to heal that broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captive. Oh my God, captivity in the spiritual realm. It's always to put you down and God is always there for the spirit of the Lord to be on you to lift you back up. God is always advancing toward his family. God's purpose for your life is always to promote you. God is a promoter. He's not a demoter. He's a promoter. He wants to promote you into places that you can't even think on your own. Exceeding and abundant. Open the prison for those who are inbound. There's a good prison ministry. We have guys here that do prison ministry. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's what we've been talking about with pastors. That's what we've been talking about with city officials. We believe that we're in it. We believe that we're on the edge of it. To counsel those who mourn. To give beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. Where do ashes come from? They come from fire. They come from people that have been going through hell. They're still wearing wearing the fragrance and the remnant of what was holding them captive. As they went through hell, they are covered with the ashes of doubt. He said, no, I'm going to... I'm going to wipe that off. I'm going to take all those ashes off of you. I'm going to wash you with the cleansing water of the word. The the oil of joy for the morning of... of, uh, uh, The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Romans 14 and 12. says, so every one of us shall give an account of himself before God. I believe that the day that I stand before the Lord on the judgment day of rewards, he's not going to ask me how much of the Bible I I learned. He's going to ask me how much of the Bible I lived. He's not going to ask me how much did I know. He's going to ask me, where did I go? Do you know that when we answer the call to do what we do not feel like we're qualified to do is the day that heaven releases us to be qualified to do what Jesus did. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19, Paul, operating in the gift of evangelism, reached every religion, race, social, political, and economical group. He said, to the Jew, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, I became a Gentile. To the lawless, I became as lawless, but still under the law of God. He said, to the weak, I became weak. He said, I became all things to all people that I by my all, by, might by all means win some. That's a tongue tired for me. He said, I did everything that I could do to win 
whoever I could. And why? He said, for the gospel's sake. Whose sake? Who's the gospel? Christ. For Christ's sake, I did these things. Do you know that Paul was a racist before he was an evangelist? He was a murderer before he was a messenger. He had to be brought down before God could lift him up. What changes, I think, I ask God, even in my life today, God, what changes do I need to make to become all things to all men that I might by some means win some? You know, no one is so bad that they cannot be saved and no one is so good that they don't need a savior. We all need Jesus. How many people groups has God allowed us to be connected with that need us to fit in their world instead of us trying to make them fit in our world? Not Christian knees, but bended knees. I'm gonna close with this. I wanna tell you today that God is wild about you. Jesus didn't just die for you. He's, he's living for you. He's living in you. He's living through you. He's living for you. He's more concerned about every aspect and area of your life than you are. First Peter 1 and 12 says that you are God's masterpiece and inheritance. Ephesians 1 and 18 says you are sons and daughters. Genesis 1.26 says you are the only creature ever made in his likeness and his image. Romans 8.32 says no one and nothing can separate you from the love of God. A short prayer taken out of Psalms 5 that I rehearse quite often. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar of heaven and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. The pieces of my heart that I haven't quite figured out. The pieces of my heart that I haven't let you invade. The pieces of my heart that sometimes make me afraid. The pieces of my heart sometimes that keep me from being totally surrendered to everything that you have for my life. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar of heaven and I wait for your fire to come and consume, to fall upon my heart. Oh God, I'm relentless for your response to know the desire of your will for me today. As I step into the world you created for me to reflect your likeness and your image. I wonder what kind of prayer that you would even come to this altar and pray today. What family member do you have that you know that's unsaved, but you're not really willing to ask God to tear the wall down on what you can't do on your own? I believe that all things are possible through Christ and you can go over that wall. I believe that all things are possible through Christ and you can move mountains. I believe that all things are possible through Christ and you can heal the sick. I believe that all things are possible through Christ and you can raise the dead. I believe that all things are possible through Christ and every person that you come in contact with can see Christ in you, the hope of glory.
I don't believe that anything's impossible for the Lord that I serve. And I wonder today, who is it? What have you been called to that you've not answered? Are you quick to call the answer to serve? Are you quick to call the answer to be a faithful servant? Are you quick to answer the call even as volunteers, although we need many in this church today? Are you quick to be a worker? Are you quick to do some of the things that you know that you can do in the natural that will keep you safe? That hurt, didn't it? Keep you safe. I want to be safe. I don't really want to step over that line. It's easy for me to say, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, except that this one part I want to keep. You say, that's the prayer that I pray sometimes. Whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes. And then, then he moves me to the place where it, wherever, whatever it takes, but that whatever is not what I'm willing to release. One of the reasons I rode my motorcycle in here today, you know, I, I don't worship it, but I do wash it. <laughs> this motorcycle was built from the factory and it was designed for pleasure and travel and a sense of freedom. That's why God made you. He wants you to go places that you've never been before. He wants you to enjoy the ride. He wants you to have fun in the life that you live here on earth. But it could never reach its intended purpose of the way that it was designed from the factory until the buyer paid the price and took ownership by signing the title. Does that remind you of, of maybe salvation? Does that remind you maybe that one day you came in here or you went to another church or wherever you were at and, and you made that decision that you were gonna fully give your life to Jesus Christ and something's happened over the years that has watered that down? There were probably thousands of the same model, make and color produced from the factory. But today... It's not only unique because of the manufacturer, it is unique because of the owner. Today, there's not another Harley Davidson in the world like it because of what the owner has invested to make it one of a kind. God made you one of a kind. God made you personally, he made you passionately, he made you individually and uniquely. You are here in the world that you live in at the perfect time of history to make a difference in someone else's life. He intended you. You're here at this specific time in history because he has you here on earth, you here where you live because he designed you that there's someone that lives around you that only you can make a difference with the love of God. That only you can be the one called to go to that place. That only you can do that. For it is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. I just want us to get quiet for just a moment. We asked the Lord in the beginning of the service to open the heavens. Sometimes the only place that the, that the heavens are closed is between our ears. 
So I want you to think for a moment about the scripture that we read out of Isaiah where it said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I wonder if you would open up your heart today and ask, Lord, send your spirit. You live in me. He that abides in me and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit. He's already living in you. You, you, you may, uh, there may be some here today. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's between you and God. There may be some here today. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. There's some here. There's someone in this congregation. As many people are here, you know that you're not right with the Lord. And this is your day. This is your day to allow the Lord to penetrate what's never been able to be penetrated before. This is a day that the day, this is a day the Lord has made and you can walk out of here full of joy and hope and refreshing and restoration. But then for others of you, this, this message has penetrated you that you envisioned people that you know that need Christ. You know who they are. You know that God has been calling you to, to minister to that person. I like to, we have a prayer team. We have folks that can come together and pray today. We'd like, I'd like to get them on, on each side. You know, a family member, your worker, your coworker, I pray that Holy Spirit right now would just go through every heart in this body today and do heart surgery to restore hope, to rebuild faith. That maybe that one thing that has kept you from all things would be removed today. That one thing that seems to be an agitation, to be a distraction, to be a hindrance, that one thing that you could lay it down today. That one person that's here or two people here today that you know that you need to receive Jesus Christ, I'm gonna ask you to get up out of your seat, come to the altar Come to the altar of the Lord. Come come and let people pray with you. Those of you that you know that God has called you for a distinct purpose in your life and you've been afraid, there's a fear factor in your life. Perfect love casts out fear. Come and let somebody love you out of fear, right into faith. Some of you have been going through some storms where, you're, where the waves of life have seemed to be overwhelming and bigger than all of the faith that you ever could conjure up before. But I'm telling you that Jesus is here today to say peace into that storm. If you need healing today, the healer is in the house. There's healing here. Whatever you need, we wanna open these altars and ask you to come. If you wanna work in that area of an evangelist or, a, or whatever part of the five-fold ministry. God has called you to, to be a servant in the church, to come and volunteer, whatever it is. Don't refuse the call. Answer the call. Answer the cry of the Lord calling out to your heart today. 
Come, come to the altar.